Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Let's get together and fight a fish for medical research in Australia's biggest fishing competition, the Pertec Fishing Challenge. Fish your favourite spots right across Australia. There's over $280,000 in cash and prizes to be won. It's only $30 plus postage to enter and we'll send you this cool cap, brag mat and sticker. Proudly supporting Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia and the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit. Enter now at pertechfishingchallenge.com.au. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. There's so many different types that make up a champion team, one not more important than any other. This guy, he was the rock, the conduit to it all, a critical piece of the puzzle. But who is Matt Ballon? Jeez, uh, um, that is an odd one. I think I like to think of myself as a hard worker, yep. um, loving footy, a good dad, um, that's probably the easiest way to describe myself. Pretty a, a simple man, a simple man that probably makes things a bit complicated sometimes. Like my answer right then. Yeah, we're all simple <laughs> men that complicate things. I think that's part of our journey. Uh, um, a Kingaroy boy, you grew up there anyway, born in Nanango. Tell us about life in the bush as a kid. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Born in Nanango, moved around with dad was a high school principal and and. Um, Moved around, so I was born in the Nango, moved to Longreach, spent some time in okay. Blackhall yep. and um, Chinchilla before coming back and settling in Kingaroy. So, yeah, Dad was, as I said, a, a high school teacher, then he got a, to be a principal at Kingaroy. So I spent most of my childhood there from probably four onwards till mm. I was about seven or till I was 17. Um, had a great childhood, grew up on a farm, playing footy with some mates, some really good role models in in dad's mates who are teachers and coaches, um, so I couldn't have probably asked for for a, you know a happier, more enjoyable childhood with wow. footy and Terrific. farming and yeah, it was just a real real country country upbringing and a really enjoyable one. Dad was the principal at Kingaroy State when you were there. I couldn't think of a tougher scenario because <laughs> no school kid likes the principal. Yeah. Ever get awkward? Um, well, not so much for me. No, I got called into his office a few times. I misbehaved a little bit, but I think for my older brothers, they had a few dramas because it might have been when Dad first moved there, and I remember a couple of them got maybe got beat up or something a little bit. But by the time I got to high school, Dad had sort of they all the kids knew him, knew him as like a, a tough principal, but he loved football, yep. and football was sort of big in the high school. So he had a he had a a, a well-earned respect by then and all the footy players knew him and so it sort of was easy for me. But um, I remember getting called into his office a few times and then a few to the deputy just for little things misbehaving. But I think it was more awkward for him. I used to walk around the, the playground and he would walk around. He'd like to get out and like not just sit in his office yep. and, on duty. 
and he used to come past and he always used to be real formal. He used to say, G'day, Matt. And I used to say, hey, Dad, how you going in front of everyone? <laughs> and he didn't know what to do. He didn't, because it was all, everyone always say, hey, Mr. Ballon, Mr. Ballon, how are yeah. you? But I always used to have, take great pride in embarrassing him a little bit and say, that hey, Dad, how you going? Terrific. Yeah, it was good. Random one. King Arroy is known for its peanuts. You yeah. can't drive through uh, yeah. without seeing and stopping at the peanut van. Yeah. What's your go-to peanut flavour there? I, I like the barbecue. There's there's all different ones. There's yeah. salt and vinegar. There's heaps of different ones. And still to this day, I've got peanuts that I've got from home that I learnt from Dad where I take and um, they're called Belvedere peanuts. There's all different ones out there, but yeah. Belvedere is the ones I, I go to and I take them home and put them in the fridge and I give some to Kev. Kev loves them. Desi Hasler loves them. Every time Des sees me or Dad, he goes, have you got those peanuts with you? So they've right? gone into state. Yeah, they, they love them. So I gave Kev some just a couple of weeks back, and whenever I go to Kingaroy, Dad gives me a new lot, lot of them. And Dad, whenever he went around travelling as a high school principal, he used to take the peanuts and give them to the local principal or give them to people and just as a little gift. Lovely. So Kingaroy gets his name thrown out there for the peanuts, yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Where did the footy journey begin, mate? Was it with the mighty Red Ants? Yep, the Red Ants. Um, love footy ever since I can remember. Like I can't remember not enjoying football and uh, being a part of my – my life. Dad was a footy player. He played for Nanango. He was a fullback. Two older brothers who were both footy players. Um, so I was just in the blood and I just remember loving the game from from whenever I could remember. Just never really inside, always outside kicking a footy. We were, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. It was good times. Whether it was a whether it was a footy or, or some other, I could play a little bit of cricket, um, mm. swimming during the Ride your BMX summer. bike around. Ride the bike, yeah. yeah. It was never – there was never TV, much of that. There was always the old – the analog TV, but yeah. yes, I'd loved it from a kid. Play, started playing when I was four, I think, at the Kingaroy Red Ants. Um, still have a chat to my first coach every now and then. That's He's a Kingaroy cool. boy. Um, then from there, it was just played it my whole life, and always had the goal to play for the for the Broncos. I yeah. love the Broncos. Like ever since I was a kid growing up, Kingaroy loved the Broncos. Just Broncos, everything. I got pictures of myself wearing Broncos gear from six. Then eventually. I went through high school and dad was always big on education. He's a high school principal and mm. so I was always like to dad, I'm just going to play footy and he's like, no, you're not. You've got to do, a, you've got to do some sort of education, yep. whether it be a trade or a, or a degree. So I got an OP and eventually did school teaching yep. at Brisbane, got a contract to play with Brisbane um, but never really made it till I was a bit older. So, But ever since I can remember, love love footy, love the Broncos and, and that was the goal to play footy. Because you came down to the Broncos system, how, when, and by who were you spotted? How did that work back in the yeah. in the day? Well, um, Dennis Moore, who I had a coffee with on the sunny coast, um, spotted me. He was a Kingaroy scout for the Broncos, and I think he worked for Parramatta at different times as yeah. well. So I had a bit of chat. And Noel Cleal was a was played footy up at Wondi, and he sort of knew me as a young fellow, and he always used to talk to me. He was with Parramatta back then. Yeah. So there was uh, and. To be honest, look, the main one that got me to a club was Cyril Connell. Yeah. Cyril was absolute legend. I don't know if you, everyone that listens to this remember him, but he was the, the, the goat scout back then. 100%. And Dad was good mates with him. He used to come to the schools and spend a lot of time in schools and just seeing if players were good people, first of all, and, yep. and if they were good players. And he was the main one that got me to the Broncos. And I didn't take much convincing. Love the Broncos, wanted to get there and – it was just as simple as him coming out to the school and offering me a scholarship. That was all it took. Were you disappointed, uh, frustrated, heartbroken that you actually didn't get to play for the Broncos despite being in their sights? Um, yeah, I was. I was. But and and 
it was a really interesting story. I was coaching some kids today and I was telling the story. I was actually there and Wayne Bennett was the head coach. Yep. And I knew Wayne and he knew me, but I was just a young kid that spent three years there. In my third th- third year there, I went up to him and, and um, I got him at the car park at Red Hill and uh, he was going to his car and I waited for him and I just went up to him and said, Wayne, do you think I'm going to play first grade here? Because they just got Paul Green back from England to play hooker. We had, a real, right. we had a real hooker shortage and Sean Berrigan was there and Barry Berrigan, his brother. Yep. And I was this young 19-year-old who thought I could have a chance to play and I didn't get picked. They brought um, Paul back to play and he did a good job. But then I, I sort of thought, well, my writing's on the wall. So I had a chat to Wayne and said, um, do you think I'm going to play hooker here at the Broncos or anywhere? And he goes, no, nah, I don't reckon you'll play I don't reckon you'll play NRL because you're not a natural footy player. And uh, we had a wow. real honest conversation, real honest. And he and he walked away. I went to my car. I was rattled. I was devastated because the bet. best coach in the game had just told me I wasn't mm. going to be a NRL player. So I sat there and sat there for probably five or ten minutes and then I heard this knock on the window and I looked up and it was Wayne Bennett. He'd come back. He must have thought about what he told this young 19-year-old. Came back and he said, Matty, I know I told you you're not a natural footy player, but he said, I'm not a natural coach either and then just walked off. So wow. he gave me this real clear message that even though I wasn't a natural player and he told me I wasn't going to play, he didn't think he was a natural coach and he'd won six premierships by that time. Yeah. And then he walked away. And, and then so he lit this fire in me to go away and be a real good player for Manly yep. and do the best I could. And and eventually I, I played, like you said, I played 220 games. Yeah. But the best bit about it was he came back to me when I was playing at Brookvale Oval and he was, I think he was coaching the Broncos. Yep. He came up to me and shook my hand and said, Matty, I was wrong about you when I told you that in the car park. He said, I just told you the truth, what I thought at that point. Yep. And he said, oh, and I wasn't being mean, I just told you the truth. And he said, congratulations, you've gone away, worked on your game. And he said, this is what I do. I tell players the truth. If they've got any backbone, they'll go away and work on stuff or they'll uh, just give it in and yep. not be any good. So it was a real cool moment in time and I still he, he still talks to me about it, like remembering that conversation. So... For me, that and now being a coach, that's what I take into my coaching. I tell the players the truth. Mm. It might be hard; they might not like it, and they might be upset with me. But I'll I'll be honest with them, and that was the best bit I learned off Wayne Bennett. That's an amazing uh, illustration of focus, I guess, or single mindedness, refusal to quit. Yeah. There's something about you, elite guys, NRL players. That are different. No, I think yeah. a lot of it is, is mental makeup because there's other kids that are just as good and just as strong and better sidestep. Yeah. But you guys are born with that competitive something, yeah. and you just refuse. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I think the next step to that is that the good coaches like Wayne and Des they always challenge players and they always yep. understand that the players they want in their team are those players you just described, the ones that will do a little bit more or they'll push their body a little bit harder or they'll play through injury, something different about them. And and Des was good at that and Wayne was good at that. Mm. And they're good at challenging you. And if you folded, if you broke and you said, oh, you know, Wayne told me I'm not going to play, I'm not good enough, and then you just go away and give up, well, they they know that they, they were right. They're right. But, it, but if you prove them wrong mm. and they're, ha- they're happy to be proved wrong because they go, yo, this kid has got some backbone or some fortitude yeah. or he's got something special about him. So how'd you end up at Manly? Um, again, through Dennis Moore, the scout yeah. that was – he was now working down at Manly. He was at Kingaroy and Crusher Cleal. Had gone over. Had yeah. gone to Manly by then. Um, so he got me down there. Um, Des was the head coach. 
Um, funny story, I turned up down there and I, Crusher must have, and Des, um, and Maury must have sold me as some tough, uncompromising player. I was unlucky. I got broke my thumb the first year I was down there. I had a knee injury, so I'd played no footy. Yep. And Des pulled me aside one of the training sessions and he goes, Matty, come over here. And I just came over and he goes, I thought you were a tough so-and-so. And then just walked off. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on here? And then I realised that he was challenging me as well because I'd been wow. injured, I'd been off the park, I hadn't been playing much footy. We needed hookers down there at that stage. Let's get together and fight a fish for medical research in Australia's biggest fishing competition, the Pertec Fishing Challenge. Fish your favourite spots right across Australia. There's over $280,000 in cash and prizes to be won. It's only $30 plus postage to enter and we'll send you this cool cap, brag mat and sticker. Proudly supporting Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia and the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit Enter now at pertechfishingchallenge.com.au. So I realised pretty quick that you had to play through injuries or you had to get yourself right or you had yeah. to be durable. And that's the first thing I remember about Desi Hasler just challenging me as well and just telling me that I was soft and had to be harder. And so that gave me a good setting of what it was like at Manly. You were coached by Desi for many years, won a couple of premierships together, which we'll get on to later. He can be lovely. He is lovely. But, boy, is he different. Um <laughs> The term nutty professor has been used and it's probably accurate in many respects. Have you got a go-to Des Hasler story? Oh, probably. I mean, that that's a pretty good one yeah. for the start of it. Um, he was definitely different, but it was something that we all embraced and loved. There's one good one that he – and I'll show you how he's different. He, he, he liked to make us uncomfortable. Yep. But then he was also one to put himself in tough situations as well. He's a bit of a musician and he yeah. loved playing guitar and him and Donnie Sings and Head of Performance loved that. I remember I think it was 2009 we went to the Gold Coast and we had a rough trot and the Gold Coast were going pretty well. Mm. And for our team meeting just before the captain's run, he got his guitar out and he's, he gets up the front and we had nothing, no talk about football, no tactics, no nothing. He gets up and he's belting out black eyed peas. Let's let's get it started. So like a pretty up-to-date, trendy song wow. at that stage and he's just like singing it. And he goes at the end of it, he said, um, I know you blokes are uncomfortable, but that was effing uncomfortable for me too to get up and sing that in front of you. You guys know what to do to play footy. Go out there and do it. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Like it was always a message behind him. Like he he, he sang that song for us, mm. which was uncomfortable for him. Like it was tough for him to sing a young, trendy song to the players at that time, whereas he could have just sung an old country and western song. Yeah. So he, he taught us a lesson that, it was okay to be uncomfortable. It was how you handled it and what you did next. Um, there's plenty of other funny ones that I can't remember at the moment, <laughs> but he was that was that was him. He was just loved footy, loved his players, um, and probably got the best out of them that he knew how. March 24, 2007, debut day, a starting jersey, a try, and a win. Yeah, I think that's a pretty yeah. perfect start. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, perfect story. Um, it was in the wet at Leichhardt Oval. Yep. Um, it was funny. Desi was unsure whether to pick me or not. We had we had a heap of injuries. Beaver got injured. Steve um, Stevie Maddow got injured, and um, Matt Orford got injured. So we moved Michael Monaghan to the halves. Yeah. And I came in, and I played about seventy minutes. Um, and it was it was just it felt just seamless to me. I'd had about three years in reserve grade where I knew all the players. I knew yep. Glenn Stewart really well, Brett Stewart really well, um, Michael Monaghan well, the Fords all well. So. They all knew that I could play decent footy and yep. I just kept it simple. Um, service, like passed well, tackled well, 
Um, and we we just we won the game through simple just playing tough, uncompromising football that Manly mm. was pretty well known for. Um, and, and you know, Desi, I think had he was unsure about me then. I was untested. Mm. He knew I had a bit a bit about me, but I think playing in that game, he knew that I was like a solid player, and he yep. could trust me to go out and do a good job. Um, and sort of did that for that year. Yeah, as you said, um, Michael Monaghan was there as a hooker as well. Yeah. Some weeks he started, some weeks you started, and the other was on the bench. You missed the grand final, the loss to Melbourne. Was that injury or overlooked? No, it was overlooked. It was um, we had some. We had when we were fit, we had some really good players. We had Travis Burns, who didn't play either. Um, Monaghan, as you mentioned, Matty Orford. Yeah. Um, we put Beaver in the halves at five eight for the grand final. So, That's right. so we had this and we had Mono, Mono's playing 80 minutes who was a really good hooker at that time, mm. really crafty, could tackle well. So we didn't really need anyone off the bench to play hooker. And um, so we had four forwards on the bench so I got overlooked. And I had an injury at the end of that year where I just – I think I was just worn out from first year of NRL. Yeah. and played 13 games, played a lot of 80-minute footy. Yep. So I, I just had worn out and Des went with Mono's, which was fair enough. But I remember watching the grand final from the stands. I was in the squad – and I remember just thinking to myself, this is this is bad, you know. Like this, we got hammered. Brett Stewart got knocked out by Crocker. Yep. Um, and I remember saying, this is not going to happen again. Like next year, we're going to make the grand final. Mm. and We're going to win it. And I had this strong feeling that we would. I just was annoyed and pissed off that we got done like that by by a good team. Like Melbourne were the best team. Yep. But we just got we just got manhandled, and they held handled the situation better. Does it still sting that you weren't part of that? It does, yeah, it does. But I sort of understood. It was like the Cameron Smith thing. Like I knew yeah. they had better players in front of me. I'd done my job during the year filling in and doing a good job to get us there. I was still young, first year of NRL. I was learning yep. heaps. So I would much rather have been playing, um, but I knew that there was better players ahead of me. So okay. I was happy to, to take my back seat. And like I said, yeah, I just wanted to be there the following year. So I knew Monas was going. He was going over to um, Warrington. Yeah. So I knew that there was a position available for the following year and I just knew that I wanted to make the grand final and wanted to win it the following year. And you did 2008, every game, every game starting and a GF. Um, what a footy side that was. Yeah, that's why, the, that's why those players feature heavily in that dream team because it was just a, a magic year, you know. Look, there wasn't there. There was heaps of tests and trials and, and tough situations. Like we went through a middle part of the year where we lost a few games in a row and there was probably some off-field stuff. No, manly there was off-field off yeah. stuff happening. But but it was just a great team to be a part of. We were really tight. We used to go play poker after games, win, lose or draw. We just had a good crew that caught up all the time, had yep. coffees off the field. You know, it was just a, a really good time for Manly. We knew we were building. We are all – I was 24, like – Glenn Stewart, 24, Brett, 23, Kite was like 25, 26, yep. Lyon, 27, like all in our primes of our career, like good times. Yeah. Um, and we just worked hard for each other. Des got us training really hard and we knew that what it took and we had a saying for that year it was all in because we, we loved poker. Yeah. And we came up with a uh, – we had a team meeting at the start of the year where we all talked about what it meant to us mm. and we all – we everyone knew we loved poker so we just thought, well – we're all in for this year, you know, like we're, we're not holding anything back. We're putting everything on the line. Every game we're going to play as hard as we can and, mm. and do the best. So that was our saying and we had it We had it actually stitched into our jersey for the grand final and I'm pretty sure we got fined. We weren't allowed to do it. You weren't wow. allowed to do the, the all in. It was all in 08 and all the, the only the 
the player-worn jerseys have the all-in stitched on them. So if you, you see one that someone's saying is a genuine jersey, it's not a fitness, it's, it's got all-in 08. So we got fined. We did it the day before, I think, just to, you know, stick it up the NRL and just yeah. say that, you know, we don't care what, what happens. We're, we're all-in for this game and no matter what happens, we're, we're winning. 2008 also, the Adidas Sexiest Man <laughs> in League. Now, uh, of all the awards, yeah. of all the players, for a young fella and a guy in the front <laughs> row, that was probably the last award you would ever want. I can't see anything good coming from it with teammates and opposition just giving it to you. Well, it's funny you say that. People ask me, what's the career highlight for your whole career? And I say, oh, 2008. So they're immediately thinking the grand final was yep. the first one to win. I said, nah, sexiest man in the league, yeah. 2008. But, um, but, but so that's the highlight for me. But the year before, Brett Stewart actually won it. It was the first one. So we had this little there joke. He's, he, we call it SML, sexiest man of league. Yep. He was 07, I was 08. 08. And, um, but no one really gave much stick to me, to be honest. They all sort of just, even the opposition, like they they usually ran at me pretty hard anyway, yeah. but the big front rowers, but... I never copped too much, too much stick, except the, all the boys at Manly used to give it to me about yeah, it. But I bet they did, mate. It was a good year. Had a had a great year on and off the field, Andy. As we sit here in twenty three, what's your fondest memory uh, or your brightest memory of 08 GF? Oh, geez, um, probably probably Beaver scoring the last try. Yep. And I was I got taken off at about the fifty fifth fifty fourth minute. I was I was starting to cramp and I, we scored a try and it was um, I think that made it 14, 14 nil. So I came I said to the trainer, "Look, mate, I'm cramping up." We had Heath the Strange on the bench. Yep. He was playing great footy. I came off um, and it was his turn to go. And I was sitting there with Beaver, and he started freaking out. He was like literally like having a bit of a panic attack. He's going. It was me, um, Mark Bryant, Josh Perry, and Beaver, the four benchies. Yeah. And Beaver's going, is this really happening? Like he was thinking he's dreaming. He's going, oh, I don't know if this, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so we're going, no, Beaver, it's all right. We're winning. We're winning by 20 by that point. And then yeah. the call came out. Stevie Maddow hurt his neck and the call came out for Beaver to go on. So Beaver, everyone knows him. He, as soon as he has to go on, he needs to go to the toilet straight away. So we had to run back in, go to the toilet at ANZ Stadium. He got put back on the field. And then that next set, he scores a try from yep. a Michael Robertson pass. So that would be my fondest memory. Beaver freaking out, like literally like having an anxiety attack that wow. he wasn't sure whether it was happening or not. And then seeing him score the try, it was just like a fairy tale for yeah. him. And everyone will say we weren't doing it for Beaver. And he said during the week, look, this is not about me. Mm. This is about the team. But we're all doing it for Beaver. Like yeah. he was just a legend of the club and that's why we were doing it. So many similarities between 08 and uh, 2011 for you uh, on an individual basis, every game, every game starting, the next premiership. What's what's the key to consistency? Oh, I think, well, keeping your squad together and then, and I prided myself just on playing every game. Like you said, like every at the start of every year mm. I wanted to play every game because I knew the hooker was a real pivotal part to the, yeah. the team getting the ball in the right spot, tackling to help alleviate you know, the other boys around you to make sure they could do what they had to do with the ball. Mm. But we just had a real consistent team. Like I said, we kept, you know, well, by that stage, Kieran Foran had come in for, for Matt Orford, mm. but Ox was there for a long time. Um, Jamie Lyon was still there. Glenn Stewart was still there. Brett Stewart was still there. The young Daly Cherry Evans came in in 2011. Yep. Um, you know, our forwards were pretty much the same. Watmo, Kite, Jason King, Glenn Hall, 
all these blokes. So I reckon consistency in whatever you do. So consistency in your squad, don't change them unless you have to. Yeah. Consistency in your training, consistency in how you play, how you talk to your players as a coach, mm. consistency in your players, their preparation. That was the biggest thing that, that we did well at Manly. We trained hard consistently. Mm. Um, we had very consistent coaching staff. Um, and for all the stuff that went on off the field at Manly, like the boardroom stuff and oh, the, the change, yeah. like Des did a fantastic job and all the other coaching staff at keeping everything consistent for us. Donnie Singe was consistent there. So for me, that was the biggest lesson I learned as a player and what I try and do now as a coach, just keep things consistent. In 2023, this is what you can expect from Unfiltered. The Legend Series starts your working week, featuring interviews with some of the game's finest, in-depth and personal. We talk footy and life in a subtle mix you can't or won't hear anywhere else. On Thursday, the Rugby League Superpod returns 12 different player interviews every single episode. It's fast-paced, and if you like a laugh with your footy, this is for you. It's the weekly show you can't miss. Then on Saturday, it's Dream Team time. Who would you name in your best ever 13? We ask that question to players past and present. We don't always agree, but that's what it's about. The ultimate argument starter. Who is the best 13 ever? Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date on who's coming onto the podcast. We're all over Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Andy Raymond. Or you can check out the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Before you go, do a mate a favour and when you're done here, leave a five-star rating and write a quick review for us on the podcast app you're listening on. In terms of business, it's huge for us and it allows us to keep creating the content you love for free. Make sure you come back soon. Legends 